<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you have to put that in, don't you? Okay, okay. Hello and welcome to the Stadio Podcast. Oh, you're back. Yeah, I'm back. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Uh, before we get going, yep. we've got some news. Well, we've got some reminders. Uh, only seven days left. Well, less if you're listening to this after Monday to order one of our first t-shirts. Check the Twitter. We've got the link posted there. So at Stadio on Twitter. White t-shirts and yellow t-shirts. Yep. Our nice purple logo on Very some lovely, lovely t-shirts. And there was something else I meant to mention. I can't remember what it was now, though. Let's get into it. Great weekend of football. Was and there football in this weekend? I didn't see any of it. <laughs> yeah, that was, there was all the football. I mean, it was hard to see all of it. It just feels like sometimes it's like a saturation. This time was great because it was the return of men's club football after the international break. That yeah, was good. That was good. Women's Champions League in the midweek as well. So many goals. Arsenal brought the pain. So did Lyon. So did Wolfsburg. Mm, the next round of the Champions League might be interesting because Arsenal are unseeded. Oh, that's interesting. So they could go up against... I think Atleti, Man City, any, I'm not sure if they can draw from the same country actually yet, but right, uh, yeah, some pretty scary people. I mean, it's funny because the Wolfsburg game, just very quickly, I watched that. It was um, Oh, the, Leon as well, by the way. The beauty of the Wolfsburg game is that it was on um, YouTube. You could watch it for free, the stream for free, which is great. So on the YouTube? Yeah, on, the, on the tube of you, as I call it, the book of face, <laughs> the gram of Insta. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I call them all, sorry, I'm an old man. But the interesting with the Wolfsburg game was that actually they were only 1-0 up after 15 minutes and then mm. like, they got the next goal after 27 and then the goal just became a deluge. Good win for them at the weekend as well over Hoffenheim who were top in the Frauen Bundesliga. Yeah, and that, that was a tough game for them actually, Wolfsburg. And the funny thing with, I think the last 13 goals, I don't think Alexander Pop has scored one of them. And she's like the striker for Germany, which just shows the depth that Wolfsburg have, the tools. I mean, Penel Heider is just on a different level. Unbelievable. Unre- as a playmaker as well, not just a finisher. If ever you get a chance to watch any of Penel Heider's highlights in the last couple of games, just been on fire. That was a real shame about Denmark not getting to the World Cup. Not seeing her, not seeing Nadia Nadim. Yeah, absolutely. We were going to talk about an overarching theme this time, playing out from the back. Yeah, it was a good weekend for uh, some calamitous playing out of the back, from the back. If you were a counter-attacker, you'd be watching this week's highlights with a glass of red wine. I mean, they were delicious. And a cigarillo. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, don't do it. Don't say the line. Gagan pressing. I haven't heard that word in years. I haven't heard that word in a few hours. <laughs> but yeah, just watching it. I think Arsenal struggled with it. Obviously, RB Leipzig really did. Manchester City. I feel, yeah, City as well. I feel like what happens is these, and I think, Grace on football, a fantastic Twitter account. Grace is just like on the money so often with these analyses. And Grace had a very fun analysis of uh, Norwich beating City 3-2, which is in itself a superb game and result for the Premier League and not just for Norwich. But Grace said something really funny. She said, yeah, you know, if City keep playing it back like that, they'll do that approximately once every two or three seasons. And she made a great point. The point is, these are bugs in a system. City are so good at what they do they keep playing that style. It's worth the occasional mistake. We said this on the podcast already this season that because the volume of teams playing out from the back and the amount of times that teams are playing out from the back 
you are going to get more errors right. because of that. Yeah, exactly. And, but the funny thing is, though, in, in football, there are these, uh, these dominant trends. And who is it that I said it was? Diana Christine has a great pinned tweet. If you, you're on Twitter, she's a great follow, at Diana Christine. Diana Christine has a pinned tweet on her account, which says something like, modern football draws permanent solutions from temporary problems, and that leads to extremism, something like that. And playing out from the back is a great example of one team does it because it's the way to like work with that series of players. Then it becomes a trend and it becomes a kind of almost an absurd, people do it in absurd situations. So when you saw Arsenal doing it against Watford, you're like, you don't need to do that there. Mm. I mean, you saw it and you're like, are you just doing that because it's like almost you've abandoned your decision-making process and you're now like, must play out from the back. The interesting thing about teams that play out from the back is also the mentality of the goalkeeper. because. The really, really good ball-playing goalkeepers, I think, tend to know when to abandon that and go long. Right. And actually, I think Leno is a really good example of that. There's a, a, a lot of times that you see him just kind of ping one to either flank because it is so dangerous. And actually, the times that Arsenal got caught out on the weekend against Watford weren't really down to Leno. They mm. were down to people in front of him making bad decisions. So really Guendouzi got caught in the first half just by overplaying. In that scenario, professional footballers, uh, even if you have a defender behind you, even in that position that Guendouzi's in on the weekend where he gets caught, he has time to take one touch and then play to the left back, but he doesn't. Right. That's not really a coaching thing. That's a, 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 a mentality of a player in a specific moment thing. Right. You know, Gwen, Guendouzi has played one touch, two touch passes before and knows how to do it. It's just acknowledging the danger when to do it. Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. It's just that... <laughs> I'm sorry to sound cruel, but it's so funny when it goes wrong. It, just it is looks, so funny when it, it goes just, wrong. I, mean, I don't mean to mock that, you know, these are professionals who are, but it's because it's so calamitous. And I think it is tightrope walking, isn't it? Yeah, it is and it isn't. I think that the only thing that makes it tightrope walking is the position on the pitch that it happens in. I think if it happens in the final third, yeah. it's, no, it's nowhere near as dangerous, obviously because you're further away from goal. But I think from a, from a pressure perspective, the actual process is super, super simple yes. for a professional footballer for sure, to do yeah. that. Yeah. There's just a certain like intangible thing that happens, especially when the crowd get on top of it as well. It's pressure. It's a pre- you know, pressured environment. But the one from Socrates was super dodgy. And actually, that is where you should just go out. Yeah, of because, course. Because it's less danger that way. So looking at the Norwich situation, so it's funny because Socrates was playing out in a straight line forward and City were playing square. And this is a problem of angles, isn't it? Like if, if either pass had been an angled pass, it would have given the defender more chance to react. But Otamendi, I think, you look at the City example against Norwich, is playing the ball square and then he's doomed because Norwich Stones good, played, it, played it to Otamendi. And then Otamendi and then, was in yeah, a situation where he was just like all of cornered. But his body shape was just terrible. Like, I don't think Stones should have given him the ball in the first place. This is kind of like a really random example as well. This is a bit of a reach. But I was watching the uh, women's uh, NBA um, knockout phase. Playoffs. The playoffs. And this poor woman was coming out, sort of playing out from the back and basically had possession and trying out the backcourt and ended up like giving up possession and uh, the other team shot a game-winning three. And I remember thinking, like, she looks really bad because she lost possession, but there were no options. And I think to myself, like, when playing out from the back happens and that defender makes a mistake, it's very easy to look at, you know, Socrates, but there should always be someone, there should be two or three options within your line of sight. Mm. It's always a collective failure. I think it's so easy to look at the calamity of the individual player. And I think people have to remember that all these issues are systemic. And we have a real problem in football where 
someone like Dejan Lovren for a long time was basically criticised for being this calamitous defender. Lovren's superb for his national team, but the position he was playing for Liverpool, he was necessarily very isolated. So very often Lovren would make mistakes where he was having to play his way out with quick feet and was surrounded by tall people pressing him as opposed to having a fellow defender within 20 yards. I, I just want people to kind of, I mean, I know it's football Twitter and it's fun having a laugh, but it's also important to look at, you know, people playing the terrible pass before that gets you in trouble. Well, that that's a real cop-out. It's a really easy thing to do. And it's and fun, it ha- yeah, it, it's fun, but, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's a real cop-out to play that pass. Right. It wasn't necessarily Otamendi's error that was the reason the goal happened. It was the pass that gave it to him. Thiago did that. Actually, Thiago Alcantara did that um, for Bayern Munich against RB Leipzig. I think it was the move that led to the penalty, actually. It may have been that led to Leipzig's equaliser. Um, Emil Forsberg, great penalty against Neuer. And <laughs> I think Thiago intercepts the ball, which is brilliant interception. And then he plays this perfect through ball to a Leipzig attacker. And then you can see him throw up his arm in apology. To his credit, he was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. And then endangers his entire back four, <laughs> who were then traumatised <laughs> by having to track these three attackers. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's a whole analysis to be done on the pass before the pass. We, we talk about that in the context of attacking in the final third. Like, so we, Ozil, I think, played the pass before the pass for Aubameyang. It's like, it's like the inversion of your Dawson's Law. Right, exactly. The Dawson's Pass. Yes, yeah, so just to just explain. So Dawson's Law was my theory of football, which is that very often the most important player on the pitch is not the one who accumulates the most stats. It's the one who actually supports the player, player accumulating the stats. So, for example... Within the parameters or the scenario of... Dawson's Creek. Dawson's Creek, yeah, because in Dawson's Creek, um, the TV series, the most important character was not actually Dawson. The title character was actually Pacey, Joshua Jackson's character. So in football, the Dawson's Law works with basically saying, if you look at a goal or a mistake for a goal, the most important person in the move is not the person that scores the goal or the person that sets it up, it's the person before any of that, the kind of hidden, the hidden protagonist, basically. So who's the hidden protagonist? So example, so the hidden protagonist of the goal that um, Norwich scored against City was actually John Stones, as you pointed out. The hidden protagonist of the penalty, Leipzig, was Thiago Alcantara. Um, the hidden protagonist, Watford. I mean, Socrates got the stick, but actually I think Leno's the problem there. He should have gone long, I think. But Socrates, unfortunately, looked up and the options were terrible. But in Leno's defence there, as it plays, that's the same scenario that happens every single time because the defenders can't go any closer. So if Leno goes long there, yeah. he goes long every time. It's like looking at a chessboard. Yeah. Chess players will look at the chessboard and because of where everything is, we'll make a certain move. Absolutely, yeah. I want to say as well, to Leno's credit, Leonard had a great game. So I just feel a bit, I feel a bit harsh even criticising him because he was so good overall. I think he's great. And I, I don't want to get, I mean, we've talked about this a bit, but obviously I'm a big fan of Arsenal and Emery obviously has fans fairly upset with his tactic, his deployment. But... I just like what he's put together there and I want to see the pieces work. I just want a performance where Arsenal do what Spurs did to Crystal Palace in the first half. Just to keep people quiet. Just to kind of, not keep people quiet, but I want just to appease people and make them realise actually the guy has got a plan because I think he has got a plan. I do as well. I just yeah. don't think all of the players are already available yet. Yeah. I don't want to talk about Arsenal because we talk about Arsenal Can I make much, a segue but... then? A segue then to Spurs who had the best, you talk about playing out from the back. Spurs' third goal against Crystal Palace is one of the most glorious things I've seen in a long time. It was really good. Spurs almost got the crib sheet from Ajax last year's Champions League. And the third goal, they play it out and there's a beautiful move where the ball gets hammered back into Harry Winks. 
and then he hammers it straight out to the right flank again. And yeah. it's beautiful. It's like that kind of in-out move. You know, I acted the triangles last year against Juve and had the guy spinning like a spinning top. Yeah. And the way they get the ball into Winks's feet and then out again. They were properly, properly devastating in that first half against Palace. Spectacular. And I said this, you didn't really appreciate the analogy. No, 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 because let's get into this. No, right, no, come on. Ryan I mean, did not appreciate this, but I said they reminded me of early era Wenger at Arsenal. That is what? a valid reference because Arsenal would, used to do that to a lot of teams where they would be falling up at halftime, the game would be done, they'd just chill in the second half. Specifically, the game it reminded me of was the 4-0, many of you remember, which is the greatest 45 minutes of football I've seen from Arsenal, the 4-0 at halftime against West Ham when Overmars and Bergkamp just went to town. I thought you were going to say the Everton. Yeah. No, for me it was the 4-0. Because we, by the time Everton got eviscerated, we'd seen that. We hadn't seen that before. When Arsenal did that to West Ham, who were a good team, we were like, no, they didn't deserve that. I mean, my friends were like, hey, listen, this is a, this is a problem. But the way it was, like, it was surgical, watching them so fillet a fish and they were done at half time. Yeah. And what did I respond though? I said, I said, it's all very well and good doing that for one game against Crystal Palace at home let's wait until they've won a double whenever Ryan does it, I don't know how many of you listeners watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer but there's a there's a series when Buffy goes bad this is, this is a theme at the moment yeah you're bad Buffy you went you turned into bad Buffy then I was like, there's certain things that like you know the, the nice friendly veneer gets shattered and all of a sudden you're like right listen this isn't a partisan podcast right right so I'm very appreciative of Spurs stuff. You know, like, like we've said it, we've said it a lot. Yeah. Musa's raising his eyebrows at me. He's giving me this weird emoji face, like I'm an not, animated I'm emoji. Not, I'm not doing that. I wouldn't do you that. You know, I've, stop it. It's really putting me <laughs> off. <laughs> but listen, if you're going to step to me on WhatsApp, man, get facts. That, you get wow, facts wow, back. Wow, do you know what I mean? <laughs> all I've, do you know what I mean? All I have to back me up is facts. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> Chat shit get banged. Chat shit get oh, wow. chat shit get facts. Oh my goodness! Wow. Spurs were unbelievable on the weekend, they and were, you could were. definitely tell that whatever conversations they had going on really helped. To be fair, the fact that some people were even questioning whether Potch should stay for a bit is wild. To oh my me. goodness! It's absolutely wild, and that is again proof that this is not a partisan podcast. But... Of course. One thing I want to say about um, the other sort of. Uh, sort of bigger games in Liverpool the impressive win and it's just funny I mean like, I was slightly sarcastic on Twitter about this but like you know Firmino was fantastic um, and Liverpool came back to win an impressive style but this whole thing about oh Firmino Firmino is so underrated it's like no no everyone rates Firmino <laughs> everyone rates it's done like everyone rates Paul Scholes everyone rates Firmino it's okay we love your players it's amazing yeah. City's loss is interesting primarily because it really does seem that Guardiola listens to <laughs> football Twitter because he said, yeah, he was like, he was like, ah, oh, they call me Fraudiola in my first season. I was like, you can only know that if you know about football Twitter, because that's never been in a newspaper. Fraudiola has not been, I don't think it's been a headline. Oh, it was probably in the sun no, or something. Don't let him off. Ryan, someone said, someone said, someone said he's got a burner account. But um, elsewhere, before I forget, um, Chelsea, that was impressive. I'm going to say it again. Proof that this is not a partisan podcast. To do that, I know. I, and you, I, I, don't, I don't hate this Chelsea team. No, and. To do that to Wolves. Wolves haven't been done like that. And Tammy Abraham is absolutely on fire at He's the moment. He's brilliant. His goal, his, is his third goal, his hat-trick goal. Oh, my God. This so move good. he does, he basically, like, I've never seen someone clean out. It was actually reminiscent of Henri against um, Zanetti yeah. in the, the 5-1 Arsenal beating Inter um, at the San Siro where Henri slows down and then like, Zanetti's like, okay, and then Henri just like, puts him like in a foot race 
Mm. And don't get me wrong, like, I love Zanetti, but there are a few things crueler in world football than Zanetti in his late 30s in a foot race against Thierry Henry. Oh, it's, it's like the snake in Jungle Book. Do you know what I mean? Like, trust in me. And then he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still laugh my head off, but, but watching Tammy Abraham put that poor Wolves defender, I mean, someone's put him in a spin cycle. He's a problem. He's a real problem. He's a problem. <laughs> My sure. God, he's a problem. Uh, can, I, can I come out with an absolute scorcher? Yeah, go for it. Should he be starting for England? No, not centrally. If he were as a wide player, I can see the argument. The problem is this. You've got the front three, right? What is it? You've got Kane, Sancho, Sterling. I mean, this was a little bit of a grenade. No, no, no. It was actually it was an interesting point because you look at like, he's playing better than Rashford, for example. But Rashford, if he's playing for England, would be in a wide position, right? To be a wide forward. Sorry, sorry. But just think, Sterling, Abraham, Sancho. I mean, wow. I mean, that, that is, nobody wants that problem. That's horrible. Can I just say as well, I mean. World Cup winners, 2022. Respect to Kosovo, because they put on a, they're, they're a really good team, Kosovo. Nobody wanted any part of Sterling and Sancho. No one wanted any part of that. You can't tell me, listen, you can't tell me there's a defender in world football in the last 30 years that's watched highlights of that and thought, oh yeah, I'd really enjoy Sterling running into the channels behind. Yeah, no, 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 no one wanted that. And Sancho, mm. I mean, he was having the Bundesliga on toast again. Yeah, again. Um, just to clarify, obviously, I'm not saying that Harry Kane should be dropped as England captain yeah. or any of that. But I think that there was an interesting piece that I read last week, and I can't remember who wrote it, so I do apologise, about how Harry Kane is essentially Spurs' best player, but also kind of Spurs' biggest problem in a way from a tactical point you of view. you said this before, haven't you? About the best player being the problem. Yeah, sometimes that's really it. And Harry Kane is obviously England's best striker in how long? That's generation. Ages. Yeah, yeah. In terms of a personnel and a flow and a kind of, I don't know, philosophy, quote unquote, point of view, I do wonder how that, would, that front three would develop with someone more dynamic like Abraham in there. I think injury has really affected Kane. You hear people talking about that, like winning the ball back and Intensity's not there, maybe. The thing is, different teams throw up different problems. Right. But I think if you're going to go at a team with pace and with dynamism, you throw Abraham in there, who is a unit, by the way. He's what, like 6'3"? Yeah. He's a really big dude, but is lightning quick, really good at linking, can drift as well. I think that's the thing about Abraham, which not a lot of people give him credit for, is that he never just occupies a central role, really. He can do, but he has that ability to drift. And... The amount of times that Sterling cuts centrally, that Sancho cuts cent- centrally, someone like Abraham who can switch. I oh think, my God. I think Kane actually is there in a large part because of that build-up play. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you look at like England's midfield and it is the weakness, isn't it? Yeah. They don't have that Just to clarify, down. I don't actually think that Tammy Abraham should be starting instead of Harry Kane for England yet, but it's an, it gives England some another really, really great option. I don't think England have had this many options in this many positions forever. Can you imagine when Phil Foden gets going and Mason Mount, those two as eights? Can you imagine those two eights and Harry Winks behind them? <sighs> that is a midfield three. Mason Mount, Phil Foden and Harry Winks. You're cooking with gas there. Wan-Bissaka to coming at right back as well. Who's losing the ball? That team's not losing the ball. Ben Chilwell, some good hair in that England team. Good time to be alive. Best, Oof. best, definitely the best England team for hair, I reckon. I think so, and technique too. Yeah, needs maybe he's needed a little bit more of a chill goalkeeper. Pickford still, yeah, a bit jumpy. Yeah, <laughs> no, come on, guys, we'll just get one more in. Yes, yeah, exactly. dude, what are you talking about? There's always that we've got, dude. We've got work in an hour. No, always... it's all right, mate. I'll, I'll, I'll get us an Uber. 
There's always that dude. <laughs> We've been out since Thursday, Jordan. I don't care, I don't care. I'll get him in, I'll get him in. What do you want? Jordan Henderson is the designated With driver. With chasers as well. Like, isn't, isn't that right? Jordan Henderson, if there was a night out, if the England team was a night out, Jordan Henderson is blatantly designated driver. Yeah. He's taken over the role from James Milner. Rashford's the young smoothie, isn't he? With the kind of like the leather jacket. Brand new. Oh, did you see this stuff about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer having a little word with Jesse and Marcus about focusing on their football? No, I didn't. That's interesting. Interesting. Um, actually, we had a question uh, from Ayole. Apart from the first two months under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, United's football has lacked fluidity and can't seem to keep possession apart from when the teams sit back and let them have it. Am I overreacting or is that worrying, especially when you see teams like Bournemouth and Norwich move the ball better? Okay, that was a great analysis about this, about how United's expected goals mean they should actually be scoring a few more and they're really doing okay. I don't think they're playing as badly as the league position suggests, which is not itself that bad. They're two points behind City. But I think that there are fair concerns. I think that's absolutely right. I think it's right to be concerned given the amount of United's resources. It's just strange that a team with that much money hasn't gone and bought pieces that just will be working better from scratch. Like, this is the weird thing about United. You could probably name 30 midfielders off the top of your head who would instantly improve that team. Like, instantly. That was the one area where they really, really should have improved in the summer. Yeah. And it's weird. I I was actually sort of tweeting about this going, it's a strange form of austerity, United, where you can spend that much money and it has such a sort of absence of riches in the squad. It's such a strange spot. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do a couple more questions before we go to the break. Sure, yeah, let's go for it. There was one from Jazz Tahara saying, is Emery done five games into a new season? I don't think he's done at all. No, no, I think, I think it, was, anyone, it was a funny joke, wasn't it? He was joking. Yeah, yeah. but obviously he's uh, referencing the wider discussion. Of course, I mean, we had yeah. one from our good friend Mash and Paddy saying, I don't want to stress Ryan's soul. Well, don't then, Mash. Why well, said? Why finish that sentence? What did he say? What did he say? Oh, I think he said, yeah, he said, yeah. But can we finally agree that being a catfish is etched into the fabric of Arsenal FC? Yes, we can. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for your concern. <laughs> your comments have been noted. The best so thing funny. was, I, I even knew what the question was, but I just had to hear it out loud. Yeah, I, love- I, I did. As soon as I read the first word, which was I, I knew what was coming. <laughs> the catfish. Speaking of catfish, Arsenal 2.0 lost to Bournemouth on the weekend, aka Everton. Everton had such a catfish weekend. Hmm. I mean, what's going Actually, on? we didn't even answer the questions. Let's go back Sorry, yeah, <laughs> to the questions. Right, so we don't want to talk too much about Arsenal because we're going about them a lot. But they're but not done. They're not done. Then I don't think Emery's done. No. I still think that this is... Right, okay. Super quickly. This, I think, is essentially Emery's first real season. Right. Right? Yep. And he isn't working with his first choice back four yet. There's probably three players coming back, I've said this before, who are going to be in that first choice back four. And then you'll start to see it. Nicolas Pepe is still settling in. It reminds me a little bit, and please don't come at me here because I don't mean it in the same capacity, but of Guardiola's first season at Manchester City. He got, like you mentioned before, he got hounded. He really stuff. did. He really did. And I think that it's going to take time. I think at the end of this season is the, fair, is the really, really fair thing to judge Emery on. And let's remember why Guardiola got hounded because he wanted the players that he had at his disposal to play a style they couldn't play. So he wanted the fullbacks in particular. Yep to play and they weren't and then he upgraded the fullbacks and then boom and like Arsenal's two first choice fullbacks are coming back and probably a centre back in terms of Rob Holding as well so I'm very zen about the Arsenal stuff because it was going to happen I was like mid-September we do a drama and it happened and it usually happens at somewhere like Watford away you know who shouldn't be zen 
City should not be Zen at all. Because that injury to Amirik Laporte is bad. Very it's bad. It's really bad. They, it's, the, it's the last thing they... It's the one part of their squad where there is a true weakness, the centre defence. Yeah, you said that before. Oh, from the, that, then? A, from the start of the season. You go down the throat of City and that's where the danger came. Stones, Otamendi, that was the problem against uh, Norwich. And we're seeing that play out now. Um, and the fact that he's going to be out for a few months, hey, Liverpool are going to be hitting pay dirt with that, sure. Um, shall we... Take a break. Let's do it. Let's do it. Right, we're back from the break. Included the commentary from the Spanish Fox feed of Dortmund Leverkusen on the weekend. That was for Dortmund's last goal. I love it. I love the way the commentator's like, si, Marquito. It's so cute. Before we get on to Dortmund and stuff, though, shout outs. Got a shout out this week? Yeah, to Dortmund, actually. Because in a time where German football is not really taking the lead on anti-fascist stuff. From the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the top. German, German football authorities have been slightly sluggish, I think, on some of these issues, if I'm honest. But what's been really impressive is that some of the clubs have taken the initiative and Dortmund have really done that really well. So they had a banner recently, basically like, just congratulating all their fans on taking a strong anti-racist stance. But I thought it was really nice mm-hmm. um, to have that. So yeah, shout out to Dortmund because... I think clubs don't often realise just what a big role they play as yeah. social institutions. So, yeah. I have kind of two, kind of on that theme as well. Was, so, Union had a banner saying, no to gender-based stadium bans, being a fan is a human right. Rest in peace, Sahar Kodayari. So, I thought that was really good. And there was a few others around the Bundesliga this weekend as well, all showing support. The second one is a bit more jolly and a non-football one. Okay. I want to shout out Tom Holland. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love this already. The reason I want to shout this out is because I missed this first time around completely. But his rendition of Rihanna Umbrella on the lip sync battle. You've just seen it? I've only just seen it. Oh my God, it's one of the greatest things ever. You've just seen it? I've only just seen it. It's mind blowing because he was a dancer. I think he was in Billy Elliot. So like, it's spectacular. Yeah. So I'm massively late to that. So I just want to give him a belated Oh my God, shout that's out. like mind blowing. That's like one of my favourite. I know. It's the way Should I cut hits. that out? No, keep it. It's incredible. All right, okay. Keep that in. Yeah, just, it just shows how like off the ball I am. <laughs> no, that's quite, it's quite, quite touch about you out of touch. I mean, you sort of, you know, it's quite nice. Right, hey, so listen. I'm down with the kids. Too busy doing work. <laughs> doing the Lord's work. Um, right, let's go on to Bundesliga then. Yeah, let's get into it. The two big games, I suppose, this weekend were, in the women's game, we had the Wolfsburg-Hoffenheim. And that was a big game because I think Hoffenheim were top and were, yeah. Wolfsburg beat them 3-0. And uh, Bayern lost at home to Leverkusen. They're fourth behind Turbina Potsdam, Hoffenheim second, Wolfsburg top. So, I mean, there's only three games been played, but still, yeah, Bayern's first defeat this season. And those are teams that are set to contend, I think, those sort of three. I think that top four is, is decent. You right. know, Potsdam, Bayern. Not, I'm not personally 100% sure about Hoffenheim, we'll see. It's the depth, isn't it? But then Wolfsburg obviously top and the, yeah, 100% record. Yeah. Um, and segue from a Hoffenheim alum. Um, so Nagelsmann was in action with RB Leipzig against uh, Bayern in the men's game. Game of the weekend, I thought, actually. Bayern looked really good, actually, in the early stages and pinned Leipzig back. That, that You know, Thiago is a Rolls-Royce in that midfield, obviously. 
And Bayern should have been about four up at half time. They should, they should. But then I think what will worry them maybe is their, is Leipzig's ability to absorb pressure. Because we've seen them in different guises. We've seen them against, let's say, Union playing on the front foot. And now looking at that 4-0, looking at the 4-0 win that Leipzig got over Union, you realise what a good result that was because Union are no, no pushover. And we saw them in a very different guise against Bayern, having to absorb so much pressure, relentless pressure. And can I say this as well? Lewandowski's goal, he is rapid still. Like, I forget how quick he is. We see physically how strong he is, yeah. technically, but we don't often talk about his pace. The guy can move. Oh, he can. There's a motor. Yeah. And there's a certainty. You talk about certain players when they throw on goal. There are certain forwards where you look at them and there's no real doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, from within 30 yards of goal, you know, Shearer had that, Batistuta had it, the Brazilian Ronaldo, but certainly, certainly Lewandowski threw on goal within 35 yards of goal. You're like, that's it. Yeah. yeah. The point was good for RB Leipzig. I think it was quite a smart move, actually, from Nagelsmann. I think he probably suspected that they wouldn't win the game. Right. They kind of changed slightly in the second half and looked a little bit more dangerous. And towards the, the end of the second half, it was a, such a wild game. They're finding a lot of space for Timo Werner in the right flank, the inside right area. Yeah, they just, they look really impressive, I think. They look really impressive. And I think maybe defensively, their performance in the first half will worry Nagelsmann a little bit. But the fact they got away with it. Exactly. I think it was more like a, probably a damage limitation weekend for RB Leipzig, where it's just like, get a point here. And when we play them later on in the season in Munich, we've had a lot more of the season together and then we'll go for them kind of thing. Because if, if, I mean, obviously it's September, there's four games played, but the return or the reverse fixture could be very, very That's important. a big match. No, I think that's a fair analysis because if you consider what Leipzig did last year, the only real problem with Leipzig last year was the goals. They scored like 20 goals fewer, 20 odd goals fewer than Bayern. And they conceded the fewest goals in the Bundesliga. So really, Nagelsmann, in a very short time, has already galvanised their attack. He's fixed that aspect, I think, to a large extent, scoring freely. And now he's like, well, let's just tighten up and be mean. If we don't get a win, let's get a draw. And you can argue, actually, Timo Werner should have scored. I mean, he had three good opportunities in that second half. Yeah, I mean, if, if Leipzig had won that game, it would have been a bit of a smash and grab. But that's what you want. I mean, actually, funny enough, you say smash and grab, but that was really the nature, the three chances that Werner had, but all in the inside right channel, and they were all kind of smash and grab, lightning raids. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they play out. But, um, Good season they, though. But they are already looking, even though it's only a few games in, Dortmund, Leipzig and Bayern do look like the kind of front runners. I mean, the Dortmund result was an interesting one. I think probably the most intriguing one of the weekend, apart from maybe the um, Schalke beating Paderborn 5-1 because David Wagner hasn't really been known for scoring goals over the last couple of seasons and Schalke have struggled. But I mean, Paderborn are going to struggle this year. We know that. Yeah, but they saw their two best goal scorers. That's yeah. the problem. Big win that for Schalke away, 5-1. They needed that, yeah. But Dortmund, yeah, after their wobble at Union, absolutely thrashing Leverkusen 4-0. Right. A Leverkusen side who we have praised. We have. And we said would be good to watch. And they are good to watch. But I think this is one of those things about Bosch ball. Is that I think it works against a certain type of side. And I think the three sides that it might not work against in the league are probably Dortmund, Bayern and Leipzig. Yeah. And I think actually if you look at Leverkusen's defeat was actually foreshadowed. It wasn't a huge surprise to me because I saw how they struggled against Paderborn. They had so much possession and they just got caught with a smash and grab. And 
they are susceptible to the break, the quick mm. break, and Dortmund just went to town on that. And there's a lot of responsibility on Kai Havertz this season, yeah. you know, especially with Julian Brandt going. He was their bright spot, actually. He was. I mean, he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. would be. I think yeah. he's... Yeah. Is he still underrated? I think he is. Under the radar, but maybe not underrated. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what else was a really good game this weekend? What was that? Real Sociedad 2, Atletico Madrid 0. Oh my goodness. Yeah, where'd that come from? Uh, it's just ha- it just happens when you sign Nacho Monreal. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I love La Liga. I, I love, it. love it so it's much. It's so good. It gives me everything I need. All the Should content we move I need. to Spain? Yeah, let's go to Spain. What are we doing here? Let's move to Spain. Yeah, let's literally move there. Not the podcast, but actually- just for, No, let's move the whole thing there just for the winter because it's, it's about to get cold here in Berlin. I mean, we could move to Seville for the One winter. One day when we have Stadio Towers International, we'll, we'll be in Spain. Oh my goodness, I can't wait. Uh, speaking of Seville, top of the league. Also, Barcelona 5, Valencia 2. You know, it's funny though. For some I don't know if it's just me, but don't Barca always go nuclear against Valencia? They're just, those teams seem to match up really well in terms of goals. Like, those games produce goals. Uh, we should have shouted him out in the shout-outs. Ansu Fati. We should have. We did last time, though. I shouted out before, I think. You just shout him out every week. That's true. He's such a don. But he was brilliant in his decision-making. Ansu Fati and Frankie de Jong looked magical. And the, the kind of players that could be a mainstay of that squad for the next 10 years. Assist for one, assist for the other. That's so good. And someone pointed out, actually, one of the commentators, that when Fati came down and cut the ball back for Frankie de Jong, he knew where he was, didn't look yeah. up. He just knew. I love stuff like that. And then Frankie de Jong was like, I was saying this on Twitter, like, oh, like, Valverde's like, here are the tactics. Oh, and Frankie, like, you going, are you sure? Are you sure, Ernesto? Yeah, yeah, just go and have fun. He was literally having the time of his life. He was floating, inside left, inside right. Oh, I'll drop deep. Oh, free, free, really? A free roll? All this grass? Yes, yes, that's right, Frankie. Go and enjoy yourself. And he really enjoyed himself. This I looked he like was, vintage Ajax Frankie, actually. He was beautiful There to was watch. one moment where he picked the ball up deep and... In the space of five seconds and about six touches, took out six players in the game just by breaking through the midfield. And this is the thing about the thing about De Jong that he's such a good passer of the ball, but he is such an incredible dribbler. I honestly think he's the closest Barca have had to a carbon copy of Iniesta in terms of skill set. So, a moment of silence only because such sacred ground. But I'll allow it. Thank you, Your Honour. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, am, I am the court-appointed adjudicator of what is Iniesta or not. Chief Justice Iniesta. The Chief Justice Iniesta. Yeah, listen, listen, Don Andres. <laughs> <laughs> I am Chief Okwonga from the court of Iniesta, and listen, I'll allow it. I, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I love that. I love that analysis and that analysis. I mean, we've said it before that he is probably the most Cruyffian footballer of all time. In terms of not being like Cruyff, but in right. terms of what Cruyff wanted a kind of a footballer to be. And I actually think Iniesta was probably one of the most Cruyffian players before that. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it was funny watching Barcelona because you had Griezmann doing an incredible amount of donkey work, like playing as an eight, actually, and a very, not an, an eight as in more like an Oxlade Chamberlain type eight. Mm. Not so much bursting forward, but really just surging around the midfield area and just providing clean ball for everyone else I've been really impressed with Griezmann at Barca I love Griezmann and do you know what's even more impressive the fact that he now looks like Billy from Stranger Things can I be honest with you you've not seen Stranger Things I haven't but I've got a theory about this I think Griezmann and his hair are holding each other back I was watching I was thinking something's going on here because both of them want to be free of the other you can see it. They're not happy with each other. You, Griezmann's hair it's there it's like oh it's like this kind of like sort of storm cloud and it's like this yeah because his hair is from the upside down 
No, I think, no. Can I just, prediction for the podcast. I think Griezmann's going to have a hairstyle change before the end of the season. I have my haircut. You have. You've seen that. You're a good example. You're someone who were like, you know, the hair was mm, 80% there, but now you're almost at full capacity. You're now a peach. You're approaching peak Ryan. When I came back from the hairdresser, it was full Bellerin. <laughs> because she'd kind of, uh, my hairdresser, Linda, shouts to Linda. She'd uh, kind of given me like a bit of a, just a brushed it back with some some stuff. But and obviously, you know, when, well, I'm sorry, I'm, Enough, you about, go, enough about when your you go to the hairdresser. No, how, about, how about mine? How about I'm talking mine? to a bald guy about you know when you get back from the hairdresser, and it's never quite actually how it's going to look because they do they put. I, I feel really bad when they put all this effort in, and you're kind of like I'm Ryan. Just, I haven't been to hairdresser in twenty oh, sorry, years. Should I stop talking? Twenty years, Ryan. Anyway, looked I looked like looked like an old Bellerin for a little bit. Ryan's hair looks really good, and I have none, so that's basically he's won that. Yeah, but you're also a tall man. I'm not a tall man, so <laughs> that's true. Hashtag short king. <laughs> Jabuki is the best, one of the best Twitter accounts. <laughs> At Jabuki, one of the best Twitter accounts. How do we get here? How do we get? Griezmann. Griezmann. Sorry. Sorry. Griezmann, God. Stranger Things. You're out of control. Bellerin. Okay, so Griezmann looked great. Um, so did Barca, but they've got that weird thing where you never quite know which Barca's going to turn up. But can I say, really ambitious lineup. Loved the midfield. Arthur, Busquets, De Jong. A great configuration. And the beauty of it now is Messi was loving it on the sidelines. Loving Fatty's performance, uh, who came off after about an hour and he looked tremendous. Where else in Spain? So Atleti lose 2-0, but keep name dropping um, Grace on football. But again, Grace came up with the goods on Twitter, basically saying like, who could have known with like, you know, mediocre expected goals um, that that would happen to Atleti. And they were riding their luck actually the last few weeks, given the tools they have up front. They have slipped into some sort of bad habits. They do have Juve in the Champions League. So I think Simeone's got to look and be like, well, you know what, actually, great preseason, good start to the season, but I've got to be a bit more imaginative with the tools I have at my disposal. I'm really looking forward to that tie. Yeah, Some too. brilliant ties, actually, in the Champions League. Are we going to do a Champions League one this week? Oh, no, you're away. Ah, uh, try, try to make it, see if we're around. We'll try, we'll try. Uh, in terms of questions, we've answered a couple through there, but we're running a little bit long for the rest of them this week. So we'll try and cover. There's a couple of really good, like longer form ones, which we'll come back to. And I will shout out one of those people that gave us one, Polar Bear, Stephen Camden, at Hope of Polar on Twitter, who gave us a great question about mentoring. So basically young players being mentored by older players. It's a topic that's great. We'd love to return to that, but it deserves, I think, a fuller treatment. So we'll get back to that. But thank you so much, Stephen. We'll get back to you. Yeah, there's a few questions that we've saved that were really good long form ones that yep. we're going to try and record some bonus things around those questions so yep. just like one question at a time that is a wider subject thing and then we'll post those they won't be so time sensitive so we'll re- record a load of them and chuck them out when when not a lot is happening but uh yeah i think that's about it for this week yeah that's about it yeah i think we covered a lot yeah we did pretty well good ground I'm a bit exhausted that's you get me was playing out from the back my friend oh god yeah i feel like Socrates. so what are we playing out with this week uh, we are playing out with Duval Timothy a track called Ball wonderful but before you do that please recommend this podcast to all comers please find us on all social media channels at Stadio Football on Instagram yep. at Stadio on Twitter you are learning I'm learning very fast um, website still isn't done yet but it will be done soon but don't forget also check the t-shirts absolutely less than a week left now to order once they're gone they're gone that's it I think I don't think we're going to do another run uh, they're only 21 euros I got the price wrong last week so 21 euros is that everything? I think that's everything alright take care back next week <laughs>